Welcome to The Crunchy Club, where we talk about all things holistic wellness, alternative treatments, medical freedom, low-tox lifestyles, and natural remedies. But most importantly, I hope to empower you to be your own best doctor and health advocate. I'm your host, Haley Manis, a certified clinical herbalist and health coach. I have healed from Lyme disease, mold, and parasites that went undiagnosed for over 15 years by Western medicine. I am the founder of Roots and Leaves, an herbal remedies company, and The Crunchy Club, an online wellness membership off of censored social media platforms. Welcome to the club. Today I have with us Lee, who is a SIDS surviving mom. She is passionate about educating moms and parents around the dangers of vaccines to empower and awaken women to the full picture. She is also a graduate of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, And she also created a nonprofit called Brooks Mission, where they help other families going through the same tragedy that they went through. Things like paying for funerals, helping with mortgages. It is a beautiful and wonderful charity. And at the end of this episode, I will give lots of information on how you can contact her. Thank you so much for coming on today, Lee, and being willing to share Brooks's story with us. I know it's going to shed a lot of light to many people. So let's get started. Kelly, thank you so much for having me. I, I can't tell you how grateful I am to have this opportunity to tell my son's story um, and really, like you said, shine some light on the vaccine issue and, and shine some truth. Because I think, unfortunately, we've we've lived under a veil of of not truths to put it <laughs> to put it mildly for a really long time. And um, like you said. I'm not here to tell anybody what to do, but I want to be a voice that makes you say, hmm, let me look into that. Let me explore that further before I make that choice for my child, because I would never, ever, ever want anybody to wind up in my position, which is having to have held your dead child in your arms um, 20 days after getting a shot. Um, So... I'm going to try to get through this with as, as few tears as possible, as I told you before we started recording. But I'd really love to start um, before I even tell you Brooks's story with a little bit of the backstory on vaccines and how we got to where we are today. So yeah. um, I'll start with a, with a statistic. So in 1962, uh, there were four, sorry, five doses of vaccines given to babies. So when you hear baby boomers say, well, I got them and I was fine, keep listening. In 1983, there were 24 doses of vaccines given to children between the ages of uh, birth and 18. Take it up to 2022, the number is 75 doses of vaccine. Now, we will get into the ingredients in those, I think, a little bit later. But I think that it's really important to have that information because that is fueled by money, corruption, and lies, okay? So if you take it back to 1986, which is where the floodgates opened for these companies, which, mind you, I'm not trying to insult here. Anything that I'm saying is based in fact and can be looked up. But unfortunately, these pharmaceutical companies have paid the highest criminal fines for fraud of any corporations in the entire world. 
So let's yeah. just take that with a grain of salt. But in 1986, in the United States, an act was passed called the 1986 Act, which granted vaccine manufacturers complete and utter immunity, no pun intended, from any liability for injury or death. And that was done because they were getting taken to the cleaners by parents like myself who were losing their children or whose children were becoming neurologically disabled or impaired. They were being sued and then having to pay out on these lawsuits. So they went to the government and said, well, we're not going to be able to continue manufacturing these vaccines because we can't afford the lawsuits. So it was actually um, done in a very uh, nefarious way uh, in the way that the 1986 Act was passed. And you can actually watch a documentary on this called 1986, the Act, which will give you a very... um, a very nice understanding of of what happened here. But this was actually pushed for by other mothers like myself uh, who wanted some kind of an act or set up some kind of a court system where they would receive financial compensation when their children were hurt or injured. But the government took it and instead created an act that gave these manufacturers basically, like I said, complete and utter liability. And once that act was passed, the floodgates opened. And that's where you see that these shots went from 22 shots over the course of 18 years to here we are in 2023, where we're looking at 72 doses, but that's going to go up because they just um, suggested the COVID shot and how many doses of that are they going to suggest? So who knows what that number is going to look like in 2023. But in the 1980s, the vaccine industry was valued at $270 million. When I tell you what it is today, you're going to fall off your chair. It's valued at $52 billion, which is more than the... And that can be looked up. That was um, a number. Those were numbers that were taken from 1986, the act provided by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is an advocate, huge advocate for children. um, And he runs the Children's Health Defense. Um, But, you know, fast forward to now in 2022, we have the highest 2023. We have the highest rates of autism ever. In 1985, it was one in 10,000. Today, it's one in 34. And I would love to have a conversation with anybody who tries to say that it's because we have better ways of diagnosing it. It's just not the case. And when you break down the ingredients and the shots, it's very clear why we now have one in 34 children who have autism. Um, Yes. And, you know, here we are, we're in 2023 and we have a news media that is unfortunately also owned by the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. They spend eight billion dollars a year on commercials. So I don't watch cable TV, but every once in a while, if I'm in an office or I'm in an airport and I, they have the news on, it feels like I'm having an allergic reaction. <laughs> Because I cannot <laughs> believe the levels of propaganda. Yeah. Four out of every five commercials on TV are for a pharmaceutical product. 
Yep. We are also, mind you, one of only two countries in the entire world, the United States and New Zealand, that allow pharmaceutical products to be marketed directly to the consumer. Oh, I As didn't a, know that. Yeah. So, you know how they always show this beautiful picture <laughs> yes. of someone having a picnic in the park while they're saying, by the way, you might die if you take yes. this product. And, you know, I'm not trying to, to make light of that, but that's literally what happens. Yes. Um, and if, you know, all of us have lived through the last three years, the amount of propaganda around the COVID shot and COVID is, is really sickening. And that's a conversation for a whole nother time, right? But I will invite any parent to who says, well, I'll never give my child a COVID shot. If you think that the childhood vaccine schedule has any less corruption or any less danger around it, you're gravely mistaken, unfortunately. Um, but here we are in 2023, like I was saying, we have the highest rates of these neurological conditions in our children, the highest rates of asthma, the highest rates of allergies. We have the sickest population in the world, yet we spend the most on, I'll put this in quotes, healthcare, because really what it is is sick care. Unfortunately, we have a system that wants to keep us sick because it's very profitable. And I think for some people hearing that in your audience, they might think, well, Lee's crazy. You know, I've gotten that even from my own family. But mm -hmm. when you really dig in and you start doing the heavy lifting and you see the layers of corruption, the truth just smacks you in the face with a ton of bricks and you, you really can't deny it, right? Well, and I want to add a little bit to that. A lot of people are in denial about it because they haven't fully experienced it like you and I have. Absolutely. So I didn't really realize how corrupt it was. So I got a chronic illness that they could not diagnose. Then it became very apparent that they were corrupt in the fact that, oh, I'm sorry, this pill isn't working for you or try this pill, this pill, this pill, this pill. And I'm saying, I don't want pills. I want to understand why I'm so sick every day. And all they do is just push their pills That's and, it. And, until you have a chronic condition or until you have a baby that dies or until you have a baby that was normal and then has a neurological response to a vaccine. That's when you really start digging into it. And that's my hope with this podcast is that people will wake up before their tragedy. And I think what you're doing is so incredible. I can't agree with you enough on my goodness gracious, it's the people that I've spoken to that have unfortunately gone through this horrifying system who have said, wow, okay, this is so wrong. And I, this is why I speak out the same reasons that you do. I hope with every fiber of my being that I could prevent somebody from having to live through what I'm living through because it's living hell. It's living hell. And we're going to get into Brooks's story um, and we will, you know, go through why it is a living hell. But um, you know, the system is really broken and it's, it's up to us to fix it. And we have to be educated and we have to understand that this is all financially motivated. I mean, when you look back to 1910 at the Flexner report, um, where basically any natural modality was, was uh, condemned, was called quackery. That's when the term quackery was made up because they realized how much money could be made in oil-based medicine. So I would invite anybody to look at the Flexner report Look at Rockefeller Medicine. It's the Western medical system as we know it today. And it's 
failing us miserably because to your point, if they can't diagnose you or write you a script, they write you off. I mean, look at all the people who are dealing with COVID vaccine injuries. They write them off, tell them they're crazy or that it's all in their head. It's not all in their head and they're not crazy. Yeah. It's just gaslighting 101. And Mm -hmm. I was told multiple times it was in my head. Um, I was told I was depressed when I wasn't depressed. I mean, I was tired of being sick. (laughs) So yeah, they, they tell you, you have to get these, the COVID vaccine. And then when you have an injury, they completely blow you off. Oh, I mean, and that's something that we'll talk about because it's not just with the COVID vaccine. Oh, yeah, it's with no. childhood vaccine, in, you know, injuries and deaths too. It's, it's appalling. Um, but to get back to a little bit more on that history with SIDS. So when you look at SIDS, the term SIDS did not exist prior to 1968. The childhood vaccine schedule was rolled out in the United States in 1962. So crib death was so infrequent and happened so infrequently that the term SIDS didn't exist. But, you know, vaccines roll out in 1962, 1968, all of these babies are dying. Nobody can figure out why. So what do they do at the National Institutes of Health? They come up with the term SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. And anything in medicine that ends in syndrome basically means they don't know why. They don't know why it's happening. They can't diagnose you. They can't write you a medication. And that's where this story that we've been told has started to be told. And to me, I just think it's wrong on so many levels because if an adult suddenly dropped dead, we would never accept, oh, I'm sorry. We don't know why. There's no reason. They just died. Right. Although in 2022, sudden adult death syndrome has become a thing, which for me makes my skin crawl because we know, those of us that know, know why it's happening. Exactly. It's again, just another form of gaslighting. So this term sudden infant death syndrome was coined. And ever since then, it's been a look over here. So you don't look over there, right? Um, let's look everywhere that we can. Let's look at the genetics. Let's look at the heart. Let's look at the parents. Did they shake the baby instead of let's look at the ingredients in these vaccines and what are they doing to the brains of our children? Let's look at phenoxyethanol, polysorbate 80, aluminum, mercury, all proven to cross the blood brain barrier and affect the autonomic nervous system. Let's do a study there and see what's happening. But that's never going to happen because if you're doing medical research in the United States, you're getting your money from either the NIAID or the NIH, which let's face it, they're all part of the same umbrella. And they own patents on over 25 vaccines. So Mm -hmm. they are making a ton of money on these things. And they are never going to blow the lid on this $52 billion industry, right? So no. And there are so many resources that you can look to back up my information. I think, please, I invite you to don't take anything that I'm saying at face value. You can research it. And there's the work of Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, of Dr. Larry Larry Pilevsky, who's actually my living son's pediatrician, um, Dr. Christiane Northrup, uh, like we talked about, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Children's Health Defense. 
Suzanne Humphreys. I mean, these are all medical doctors who have said, this is wrong. We're, we're exposing this fraud for what it is. And you know what happens? They get their license removed. They get their license taken away. Exactly. So yep. it's like, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a medical mafia. Absolutely. Um, and it's really just so infuriating as a parent because I look at other mothers who just think, oh, well, I'm going to do what my doctor tells me, right? I'm gonna, my doctor says so. And I even yep. have it in my own family. And I think, okay, let's go back for a second. Your doctor is getting their information from a pharmaceutical company. Your doctor went to medical school and got four hours maximum training on vaccines. And it's not what's in them. It's how to administer them. Right. right? So they're not looking at what's in them and what is that doing to the brains of our children. They're looking at, okay, well, this is what we do. This is what we're told to do. And this is what we're going to continue doing. I think if you ask your average pediatrician what's in a vaccine, you'll get two things. You'll get, I don't know, and you'll get bullied. How dare oh, you yeah. question me? How dare you ask me? How dare you question my authority? Yes. And as a mom, I hope that I can encourage you to stand firm in your ground and ask the questions that you need to ask to defend your child and keep your child healthy. Um, so that's Absolutely. really a, a little bit of the history that I really wanted to share in terms of how we got to where we are today. Um, and I think we can talk a little bit more just about the, the nuances there. But, um, you know, my son Brooks passed away from SIDS. And honestly, Haley, you and I again talked about this before we came on, but I was the mom who was aware of the shots before Brooks was born. I started learning about this when my son, who's five, was born. And unfortunately, my husband and I disagreed um, on the position, which I think is unfortunate of a lot of married couples or not married couples, right? Yeah. Today, a lot of parents. Um, and we agreed with Brooks to do one shot at a time. But guess what? 20 days after that shot, Brooks went to sleep and he didn't wake up. And I know you said that, you know, you have had a similar experience with the one shot. And I hope that moms can know that spacing it out isn't enough because yeah. you don't know and they don't know what causes a baby to react to these ingredients. What causes a baby to stop breathing you know, how long is it going to take for the polysorbate 80, the aluminum, uh, the mercury, the aluminum to make its way into the brain and cause these reactions to happen? Yeah. So walk me through a little bit. Um, you know, you and I, as you mentioned, we talked prior to the recording. Um, my experience, I said, you know, my daughter only got one shot. She got the vitamin K shot. And that's when you said, Brooks only got one shot too. And I was really surprised to hear that because even as knowledgeable as I am about the dangers of vaccine, vaccine injuries, I had never heard anyone say, you know, a lot of times I hear it was a third or fourth shot, even if it's spaced out, because by that time it's built up so much in their bodies that it's kind of like the tipping point. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised to hear you say that also validated in a sense that, you know, my daughter has sensory processing disorder and 
I've always thought, well, it can't be from the vitamin K shot. That that was just one shot, right? It didn't. But then to hear your story, the light bulb went off and I'm like, oh my gosh, it totally could have just been that one shot. And obviously at this point, I can't prove it. It's too long. They get away with it. All the things. That's how they get away with everything that they get away with. That's right. Um, same as the um, steroid injection that they gave me when I was pregnant, which she has had this barky, very abnormal cough for her whole life. And when the doctors look at her, they say everything looks normal. Um, but I am convinced it was the steroid shot that I got when I was pregnant to beef up her lungs because I had low amniotic fluid and I was absolutely bullied into that. The doctor, I was 36 weeks. I'm just taking a little side note here. I was 36 weeks pregnant and she said, you have low amniotic fluid. You could go into labor. We, we could have to induce you at any moment if your fluid gets too low. So you need to take this steroid shot to beef up her lungs. And I was literally mid-sentence saying, well, I'd really like to research. And I couldn't even finish the word research before she said, do you want your baby to die? Well, you know what? You bring up the ultimate point here because that's what happens. Um, and this is something that I had so wanted to touch on. So I'm so glad you're bringing it up. That's what they run on. They run on fear. I would encourage every parent listening to this to read Suzanne Humphrey's book, Dissolving Illusions, because these diseases that we vaccinate against, guess what? It's not the vaccines that made them go away. It's clean water. It's indoor sewage management. It's not living in tenements anymore. It's not walking through sewage in the streets. Um, These diseases didn't just go away because of vaccines. We just don't live in the conditions that we lived in 80 or 100 years ago. So again, she will break that down for you. She will break down polio and its relation to DDT, the pesticide, and how, you know, how interesting that the last case of polio was in 1972, which was the year that DDP was banned. So what you just said is so 100% hitting the nail on the head. They bully. Do you want your child yeah. to die? Do you want yeah. your child to die of measles, mumps, and rubella? Well, I hate to say this, but you have higher chance of having your child die from the vaccine than you do from this disease. Absolutely. Absolutely. And whenever I was pregnant, I read, I can't remember the name of the book, but I read Um, I think it was by Dr. Sears and he wasn't pro vaccine or anti vaccine, but he was laying out the chances of you getting your child, getting a specific illness or disease, what the risk factor was versus what the risk factor of the vaccine was. And we literally went through every single one of those and could not justify one shot based on her chances that she would get that particular disease and it wouldn't be treatable. Um, So that was very eye opening to me. The vitamin K shot was not on my radar as much for some reason. So I didn't have time to research it. So they bullied me into that one in the hospital. Um, And then obviously the steroid shot. I Again, it's when I was caught off guard and I hadn't had time to do research. And they put the fear of God into me (laughs) that it was going to be my fault if I didn't get this steroid shot. And the baby. they do. That's what they do. Yes, that is what they do. And so that this is why we speak out now, because. So women can know that that's their tactic. Do not be bullied. You know, even when we had Brooks in the doctor's office, 
for the appointment several days after he was born. Um, and again, I will say, um, just because of our different life experiences, my husband and I are not fully on the same page with all of this, right? But um, as parents do, you kind of have to meet in the middle. So my husband saw how passionate I, I am about this topic and um, met me in the middle and said, okay, doctor, why would we have to give our four-day-old baby a hepatitis B shot, exactly. which is a sexually transmitted disease? Um, right. My wife is not a sex worker, and that's no offense to anybody or anything, yeah. but I'm not. So the chance of my son having hepatitis B when I didn't have it is zero. And the doctor fumbled and said, uh, 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 well, for sex workers. And my husband laughed and goes, well, my wife isn't a sex worker. So, you know, um, I think we're going to pass on that. But, uh, you know, the doctor got very uh, upset that we even questioned him. Um, and my husband and I, you know, we just said, you know what, we're good. He's not getting it. That's the end of the conversation. Thanks. But we're his parents and we're not having him get that right now. So you will get bullied. You will. I have yes. friends. I have friends that have been removed from practices. I have friends that have had doctors threaten to call child protective services oh, on them awful. for not vaccinating their children. But you have to remember, right? It goes back to 1910, the Flexner Report and Rockefeller Medicine. They own medical schools. They own medical textbooks. Yes. They are the kingpins of the pharmaceutical industry. So this isn't because your doctor is evil. At least I like to think, right? It's right. because they have been unfortunately brainwashed. Like, like a, it's a dogma. It's, it's, a, it's a rhetoric that if they stop and they think and they look and they read you, 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 like I said earlier, the truth smacks you in the face and you just can't unsee it when That's you right. look at the facts. Um, so yeah, don't, don't think that you won't come up against a lot of opposition. Yeah, you will, but your you child is worth defending. Absolutely. And they're worth you researching for them and the time that it takes to research, to educate yourself on this matter, because if you go in uneducated, you're going to be much more likely to buckle to their fear tactics. Absolutely. You have to educate yourself. And I think it honestly starts with two things for me. It, it starts with really understanding the layers of corruption. It starts with seeing that the FDA and the CDC are bought and sold by these companies who make the vaccines. The, the National Institute of Health and, and the Academy of Pediatrics, for, for that matter, get between 80 and 90% of their budgets from pharmaceutical companies. That's really important to know mm -hmm. because they're not going to go against their sponsors. They're not going to no. go against who funds them. Um, and it's really the way that these things are not tested. After that 1986 act, they don't have to safety test these things against in, in randomized controlled placebo studies, meaning there's somebody who gets the vaccine and there's somebody that doesn't. And they and the researchers don't know who got what and they compare the results. It doesn't work like that at all. They unblind them, which means they tell the researchers who got what. Um, and honestly, we're lucky if we even get a vaccine tested against 
a saline substance because normally it doesn't work like that. They test a new vaccine against the old vaccine. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, which one is going to do less damage pretty much? But we don't know that. And, and I would encourage no. any parent to read the book Turtles All the Way Down. The author is, on, uh, is um, anonymous, believe it or not. It was first written by two Israeli doctors, um, but they kept the author anonymous once the book went to publish because one of the tactics of pharmaceutical PR is to slander the author. They can't yeah. slander what the author is saying. They can't slander the material. So they go ahead and slander the author. So with this book, you can't come after anybody. You have nice. to sit there with yourself and you have to read the information and then decide what you're going to do. And it's called Turtles All the Way Down, funny enough, yeah. because it's based on a story where a lady once asked, well, is the world flat? And somebody said, yes, it's flat. And it's carried on the neck of an elephant. And there's turtles that go all the way down. And she believed it. And that's essentially yeah. what we live with, with vaccines. It's a story. It's an yeah. unchecked story because we've trusted these authorities for way too long and not questioned them. Absolutely. We have absolutely just lived this out generation after generation, trusting the doctors. And so many of us are waking up to it. And we are waking up to the fact that we can educate ourselves. We don't need to depend on them. We don't need to outsource our health. We can make educated decisions, whether we have an MD behind our name or not. And the, the um, arrogance that comes with questioning them is to me, those of us that are awake to it, we're just like, that's just such a huge red flag. If you can't answer these questions without getting mad at me for right. asking them, then you are not going to be my doctor. That's 100% correct. And I think we are on the verge of a new system. We're on the verge of a new well wellness system. Right now we have sick care management. And when you look at what happened in COVID, um, any doctor that spoke out, any doctor that said what's going on is wrong, these vaccines are not safe, they're not tested appropriately, what happened? The medical boards came for their license. And again, I can name Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Lee Merritt, um, and I could go on and on, Dr. Peter McCullough, right? Dr. Carrie mm -hmm. Midday, all of these doctors who, guess what? They went to medical school. They had thriving practices. Many of them still do, right? Um, Dr. Pierre Corey, right? When you question the system, when you threaten their authority, they come for your license. And I think in the vaccine awareness world, the biggest example of this is Dr. Andrew Wakefield, um, who was the one who was a gastroenterologist who had a mother come to him and say, my son has autism, help me figure this out. And he made the connection between the microbiome, autism and vaccines. And when he published that research, they couldn't come after his study. What did they do? took away his license so that people could say, well, he lost his license. He was crazy. He was a quack. No, the exactly. man's actually a genius. Yes. And he threatens your $52 billion industry. So you're going to go ahead and slander him as a person because you can't slander the data that he's putting forth. That's right. And, and I've seen that over and over again, that they, that is absolutely how they use that tactic. Because I've literally heard people say when I've quoted some of these doctors, oh, well, they got their license removed. They obviously just aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And because they're still buying into that system of belief that the medical system in their mind is safe and sound and knows everything 
when really they're removing the people that are that are really, really trying to help. And there are still some, obviously, some really good doctors out there. And like you said, they are trained by big pharma to do this stuff and push this up, push this stuff. And I, and I agree with you that them as an individual is not evil, but they're also very invested in their business and all of the money they put into medical school. And it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of guts to walk away from it. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think we, we are, and, and I know I keep saying this, but we are on the verge of the precipice of a new medical paradigm where we're going to have choices, where the medical license is, is not going to mean anything. It's doctor. Do you believe that the body can heal? Do you believe that, um, you know, we want to get to the root cause of what's causing my symptoms? Or are you going to write me 15 scripts and mask my symptoms? Do you believe in healing or do you believe in sick care? And the choice is going to be up to you as the patient. Who do you want to work with? How do you want to go about this? Do you want to be in the medical mafia, which is basically anybody that takes insurance is, is beholden to that system? Or are you going to go outside of it? And I know I can speak for myself. I'm very well outside of it. After what I've lived through, we're, we're never going back to that. Yeah, same. I mean, it's the whole reason that I started the Crunchy Club because I want to empower people to be their own best doctor. So in the Crunchy Club, you know, every single month I teach them how to heal their body naturally. Their body, the body was created to heal. If you yes. give it everything that it can, that it needs to survive and you aren't hindering your immune system with things like vaccines and McDonald's and other things like that, that's going to weaken the innate design of our bodies to heal. And so every month we do a deep dive on different topics on how to heal. And another really cool thing that, and I'm always trying to implement implement ways to empower the members even more. So something new that I just added is they can order their own lab work. They do not need a doctor to order lab work. So that is one huge step in the right direction of them taking their health back into their control and not having to outsource it. And I'm so excited about that. So, oh, you know, it's, it's incredible. Uh, I, I see a functional medicine doctor myself. So I've done a lot of those things with labs and, and having them done myself so that I can understand how my body works. And that's honestly, we could talk about that for the next week straight and we wouldn't run out of conversations because again, it's, it's for those of us that are seeing this and awake to this it's a whole new way of living and healing and being in the world. And I just want to say for one second, I'm not saying that acute Western medical care is bad. If you get into a car accident, if right. you are losing a limb, you know, there, there are reasons where we need Western medical care. But when yeah. you're talking about vaccinations, which are not helping your immune system, to your point, they're actually destroying your immune system. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about chronic illness, which is the body screaming, something is not right here. Something is imbalanced. Help me. Yep. The medication is not what it needs. It needs true healing. And that's what we don't have right now in our current system. Absolutely. And I would also lump in uh, even cancer with that. You know, yes. our cancer system oh my is broken. Gosh, yes. No, it's super broken. That's a whole different podcast episode. But um, that's lumped in as well. I agree with you. If I broke my arm, we're going to go get it mended by a doctor. They are great at that kind of stuff. They can mend it. They can put it in a cast. All those things. If you get in a car wreck, if you're if you're have appendicitis, things like that. Perfect. 
chronic conditions, not their wheelhouse. No, at they, all. not at all. Because it's, so. it's not about true healing. It's just, exactly. you know, it's not. It's not. It's about symptom relief and masking symptoms and Band-Aids on top of Band-Aids on top of Band-Aids. Um, so I want to get in to a little bit more of Brooks's story. I want to hear what he was like when he was born, um, when he got the shot and kind of that journey um, from when he got the shot to till day. I think it was day 20 that he. Day 20. Yeah. 20. Okay. So, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So um, here's where, again, forgive me, bear with me. I'm sure any mother will understand uh, when the waterworks start. But um, my son Brooks was born on the morning of February 6, 2021. Uh, He was my second son and his birth was beautiful. I had read Christian Northrup's books to prepare. I had read Ina Mae Gaskin's books to prepare. I was working with somebody who was a DO of Dr. of Osteopathy, loved my um, doctor that I was working with. Uh, she really understood letting the body do what it needed to do, wasn't forcing me into interventions that I didn't need. And it was a six hour labor and he was born in four pushes. And as he was being wow. born, I felt a white light move through my body from the top of my head, the tip of my toes. And um, from the minute I held him, I just looked at him and I said, you're so, you're so different, baby. You're so beautiful. You're not from here. (laughs) He was born on a snowy morning in the Northeast and the snow was as white as the light that surrounded him. Um, And, you know, every parent says this, but he was perfect. Brooks was perfect. There was not one thing wrong with him. Um, he was such an easy baby. He was so happy. Um, my, my son, my older son, who was three and a half at the time, just absolutely adored him. Uh, seeing them together, I thought, I, I have everything that I could ever need in this world. Um, and then, you know, it all got taken away. And I think it's just such a reminder. I tell people all the time, just cherish what's in front of you at any given moment. And I know it's hard living in this world that we live in, but you never know when the rug's going to be, you know, ripped out from under you. But Brooks was, (sighs) sorry, I just have, I have the tears right here in my throat and they're going to come. But Brooks, my son Brooks was magical. And um, for the 103 days that we got to have him with us on earth, he ate, he slept, he um, hardly ever cried. He was the happiest little baby. Um, I didn't give him any shots in the hospital because like I said, I believed that spacing them out would make me okay. I believed that that would prevent me from having any of these issues. Um, I never in a million years ever thought that I would be a surviving SIDS mother because I did the research. I read the books and I thought, okay, well, we won't get any in the hospital. We'll wait until he's three months old and we won't do more than one at a time. And I, you know, we pushed it off as long as we could. Um, 
he had a little bit of a cold when he was two and a half months old. And when he was three months old, it was um, April 29th. And I took him to the pediatrician's office. And this day is burned into my mind um, like a black hole that I would really love to just go back in time and erase. I bet. Um, but I can't. And I took him to the pediatrician's office and it was, you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it was like my body just telling me, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I thought, you know what, this is what my husband and I agreed to. Mm -hmm. And he got the DTAP shot. He got the DTAP shot and he got the oral rotavirus drops. And Here's where I want to say vaccine reactions rarely, and I'm talking 2% of the time, they don't happen in the doctor's office. That's okay. not where they happen. They happen after that. Brooks had the shot and he didn't even cry. He was fine. He came home. And for the next 20 days, he was fine. And, you know, I, I really, um, I think after those first three days, I, I, I was a little bit hesitant. Yeah. But I thought he only had one. So I don't have to worry. Right. Little did I know that the Tdap is known as the death shot. Because... Mm -hmm. That is where 74% of SIDS deaths are tied back to. 74% of SIDS deaths happen within a period of getting the DTAP shot. I did not know that. And it's because of the pertussis. Mm -hmm. They're a lot more likely to also die of other reasons. There was a study done in in the Netherlands. um, And I believe it was called the Geyer study. And it looks at how the DTAP shot makes babies much more likely to die of other, other reasons, which the classification we'll get to in a little while. Um, but at this point I had gone back to work. I was a working mom, um, have a babysitter that was, you know, sent to me. I believe I'm not a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. And I believe she was sent to me by God, however you want to, you know, describe that in your life. She's the most amazing woman. Um, and I went back to work and I live in New York and my office is in Pennsylvania and I'm there two days a week. So fast forward now to, well, before I even go there, Brooks didn't have any symptoms. He didn't develop a fever. He, um, wasn't sick. He didn't develop a rash which are a lot of the telltale signs that your child is having a very bad reaction right. to the vaccine. We didn't experience any of that. Um, so needless to say, I just thought life is so good. I'm so grateful. Thank you, God, for getting me here. Thank you, universe. I have two healthy boys. I'm healthy. And um, May 20th, I was leaving my office in Pennsylvania and I had about a two hour commute to get home. 
Um, and I got a call from my husband at five o'clock as I was getting gas in the gas station, which I can now never, never go back to that gas station. And he said, Delia went to go wake up Brooks for his nap and he was not breathing. So they're rushing him to the hospital. Um, and honestly, I'm going to give you as many details as I can, but to protect me, my mind, uh, kind of blocks a lot of it out because mm -hmm. it's how I survive. Um, so I just said, oh my gosh, he's got to be okay. He's got to be okay. And my husband just said, I'm, I'm on my way there now. Um, I'm on my way there now. And uh, I sat in traffic for yeah. two, two plus hours. Oh my word. Um, calling my husband every 10 minutes. Um, you know, no music on, just in prayer. And like I said, I am, I am not a, a religious person. I was raised Catholic, but I, I believe in God energy and I'm more spiritual than anything. I just prayed to God, please, God, please. I, if you do nothing else for me in my life, please take me, make my son. Okay. Yeah. Um, I called my husband every 10 minutes and my poor husband I had gotten to the hospital at that point and found out that, um, you know, what had happened with Brooks and uh, was there while they tried to bring Brooks back to life for over an hour. And they got a heartbeat for a minute um, and then they lost it again. And uh, my poor husband had to be the one when the doctor said, we'll work on him for as long as you want. You know, my poor husband had to be the one to look at my son Brooks's eyes in the back of his head and uh, say, please don't do that anymore because you're not going to bring my son back. Yeah. Whatever you bring back is not going to be my son. Mm -hmm. um, and as I'm calling my husband, and he's at this point holding our son dad in the hospital and telling me as I'm calling him, they're working on him, Lee. They're working on him. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, it, they're working on him. That's what he kept yeah. saying. And I kept saying to him, tell me that he's okay. Just tell me that yeah. he's going to be okay. I'm sorry. Now I'm getting emotional. Um, oh, me too. <laughs> and uh, I got to the hospital. Um, and my husband saved my life because... You know, I look back in hindsight and I think of the pain and the anguish that he had to be sitting there. My parents live locally. His parents live um, out of state. So my parents were able to get there and be there with him. But he was there by himself and um, mm. had to tell me, his wife, that they were working on him when he knew yes. that our son was oh. gone. Wow. Because otherwise I wouldn't have you know, been able to make it to the hospital. But yeah. I, I finally got to the hospital about two, uh, two hours and change later. And I didn't even turn the car off. <laughs> I, um, oh, I, bet. I raced into the hospital, didn't even turn the car off. I said, bring me to my baby, bring me to my baby. And, um, it's all kind of a blur from there. It feels like I just walked into the twilight zone, but, 
um, they, the hospital administrator walked me to a room, a little room, and um, brought my husband in. And I said, bring me to Brooks, Brian, bring me to Brooks. I just need to be with Brooks. And um, my husband had to tell me that our son didn't make it. Um, and at that point, it's really a blur because primarily, um, I just broke down. I fell to my mm -hmm. knees. I blacked out. I screamed and I kicked and I cried and I made noises that human beings aren't supposed to make because our hearts aren't supposed to feel that much pain. No. Um, at this point, this was 20 days after he had had the shot. And, um, I just thought to myself, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. It, it literally felt um, as if I was watching a movie. Yeah. That was my own life. <laughs> right. I, no, I cannot imagine. Um, and uh, that went on for, I, I don't even know how long, like I said, it's all a blur, but it was this horrific primal reaction of social workers having to come in and calm me down. Um, not that they could. Uh, mm -hmm. And eventually they had to walk me to the ER where I had to hold my son dead. Mm -hmm. And um, they had him wrapped in a blanket. He was three and a half months old. So, you know, he looked like a newborn. He was in the blanket and he was connected to all these machines um, within the blanket. And my parents were there and I just fell to the ground again. Yeah. And I held my son who was gone at that point. His soul was gone. You know, his eyes were closed and I went to go kiss his forehead. He was getting cold. Um, and again, it's just, it's the most horrific, heart-wrenching pain that a human being can ever experience is holding your perfect baby. I mean, any baby. It doesn't matter if they're perfect, they're not perfect. Yeah. If they're sick or they're not sick. When you hold your child passed away in your arms, there is nothing worse in this world. Um... And the aftermath is really a blur, I'll tell you. Um, my parents had to come live with us for a little while. I really wasn't able to function. Um, you know, we got home to all of his things out, his seats, his diapers, his toys, his room, his room all full of clothes and uh, you know, we had done work on our house to get ready for his birth, and he had only been able to sleep in his room for two weeks um, before he passed. But, you know, the aftermath is really a blur. Um, if it weren't for my husband and my family and my son, my older son, I wouldn't be here because the pain is that bad. Um you know, the pain is that bad. And yeah. I I want to skip over some of those details because I wouldn't sure. wish them on my worst enemy. You know, um, I was struggling with postpartum anxiety already at that point. Right. Um, 
And, you know, it just put me into a really, really bad place. And it took me a really long time to come out. Um, But all of those things that you have to deal with in the wake of your child dying, um, you know, we couldn't have a funeral for him. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't put my son in the ground. Um, So we cremated him. And we have his ashes and they are in our home with him, with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a blur for a really long time. Life was just a really, really dark blur of being alive, but not really. Right. right. And for anybody who's ever experienced something like this, they'll understand. But showering is hard. Breathing is hard. Standing up is hard. Getting out of bed is like next to impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're lucky enough, which I was, you have a support system. Um, you have a husband who is, is there to weather the dark times because as hard as this is for both parents, it's especially hard for moms because we carry and birth these babies. And, um, it's just a different, it's a different kind of pain, right? Men and women grieve really differently. And, um, for us women, it's just different. So, you know, a couple of the things I do want to want to touch on um, are how Sid's parents are treated. Mm. So before my son's body was even cold in my husband's arms at the hospital, he had detectives wanting to take pictures of my son. Because what happens with Sid's is the parent or the caregiver is treated like a criminal. Mm -hmm. But here's the reality. I understand that the world is an evil place and that people do bad things. But SIDS happens to babies a lot more frequently than evil people murder their children. Mm -hmm. And so the system needs to change. And parents need to be treated with compassion and with love and with care um and not like criminals if your grandmother died next to you or you were holding your grandmother and she died in your arms which happens with sids they die in their mom's arms you wouldn't be treated like a criminal so the same should be extended to parents and i'm not saying that it's black and white right Mm -hmm. i understand that There are circumstances where investigations do need to happen, but because the medical system has failed us so badly, it's much easier for the criminal system to blame the parents. Right. Which to me is just so wrong because this happens, SIDS happens to about 3,500 babies a year. Wow. And every single parent that I've met that has ever lost a child would give their last breath to have that child back, would give anything, would sell their soul to the devil to have their child back. And so the fact that parents are treated as criminals because the medical system has failed us really needs to change. And it's one of the things that I really want to work on and work for change in my lifetime. Yes. But, you know, um, I really didn't start to put the pieces together on this right away. 
Okay. Yeah. That was going to be one of my questions. I really didn't. I thought, my gosh, he had that shot 20 days ago. It couldn't have been from the shot. How did my son die? How did my perfectly healthy son die? He was taking a nap on his back. He was in safe sleep conditions. My babysitter is an angel. She taught me how to be a mom. She taught me how to do all of the things that moms need to do. Um, And so I knew it was nothing that she did. It was not anything that she was at fault for. Um, And I thought, how did this happen? You know, the expression is true. Perfectly healthy babies don't just die. That's right. They just don't. We're gaslighted to believe that and accept that, but they don't. Um, And so my husband and I got into grief therapy right away. We were referred to somebody that was really, really helpful to us. Um, And she really, really helped us a lot because you don't know how to breathe. You don't know how to do anything after you go through this. And she actually pointed us in the direction of a study at a hospital. And I, and I don't want to name names, but um, they're studying SIDS, but they're not looking at vaccines. Mm, wow. So, uh, you know, that's where I started to really understand and look at, okay, the Academy of Pediatrics, American Academy of Pediatrics, gets their funding from pharmaceutical companies. That's where I really started to understand this corruption and um, dig, dig deep on the layers. And that's where I, you know, said, I'm leaving Western medicine, and I'm never going back for my living son. Um, we see, a, a, a we see Dr. Larry Pilevsky now, who's Western trained, um, but he's somebody that is very educated on the shots and what they do to the brain, uh, and, and what it's doing to our children. Mm-hmm. So he happens to be local. He's who we, we see now. And I started to dig in to the ingredients in these shots and like, what is happening? Because the medical examiner, the code was removed. So, um, the year right now is escaping me, but if it's it's called an ICD code, and it's basically what a medical examiner can use to put as a cause of death on a death certificate, mm-hmm. because um, we didn't get our death certificate for over a year, uh, and we had to basically drive there to get it. They didn't want to give it to us. Wow. Um, they removed the classification for being able to say that a person was killed by a vaccine reaction. That's mm-hmm. how much power pharma has. Yep. So that's gone. Um, and so they try to say other things like the child had pneumonia or they had a cold, you know, like right. give me a break. Yeah. If my child had pneumonia, I wouldn't know. Yes. Um, you know, but it, 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 it brings me to another point, which again is the, the corruption which is, and I just had it and I was right at the tip of my tongue and I just lost it. But, um, you know, they, they can't classify. Oh, so safe sleeping. So in 1992, they did that whole program of the back to sleep campaign. Right. And here's more corruption for you. So what they did is they just manipulated the statistics. They told parents 
after hundreds of years of infants sleeping on their stomachs to put them on their backs and then came out with a study that said, oh, look at how SIDS is down. Nope, Mm. SIDS wasn't down at all. Infant mortality wasn't down at all. They just reclassified it. And instead of calling it SIDS, called it suffocation. Right. So it's just a manipulation of data. In fact, infant mortality went up. Right. And you can look all of this up. Um, anybody can look all of this up, but it's just, again, more gaslighting and it's more look here. So you don't look there. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, and I I know we could talk on this forever, but one of the things I do want to highlight is the ingredients because that's where parents need to be armed and they need to know what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we know about the aluminum, we know about the mercury, we know about the thimerosal, which they claim it did nothing, but they claim to have removed it. I believe it was in 1998, right? Um, And again, please watch Vaxxed. Please watch the documentary by Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Hear these parents who talk about having their children be perfectly fine up until the 18-month MMR and then downward spiraling into autism. But they took it out. They took the thimerosal out and they replaced it with aluminum. Mm, right. So now you have aluminum and mercury, which are Neurotoxic. the most toxic substances. And you bind those things to ingredients like polysorbate 80, which is an emulsifier used in drugs to assist it in getting into the blood brain barrier. So it crosses the blood brain barrier, which these things are not supposed to do. No. And then what happens? Well, we don't know because no study has ever been done to show what it does. Right. Um, To phenoxyethanol, which disrupts membranes in cells so that things can get in there and penetrate your cells. I mean, two phenoxyethanol is like it's used in gasoline. Right. Um, But some of the other ingredients, I mean, there's aluminum, which is a neurotoxin. Two phenoxyethanol is an antifreeze. You have MRC5, which is aborted fetal cells from other babies, right? That's other DNA. You don't Mm -hmm. want that in your children. Mm -mm. You have formaldehyde. I mean, formaldehyde is what is in bombing fluid. Um, And I'm not making this up. This can all be confirmed and verified on cdc.gov. Yes. I mean, you have potassium chloride, potassium phosphate. I mean, potassium chloride is used in lethal injection. Mm-hmm. Why are we putting these ingredients into our children? Why? It's, it's crazy. You have, um, you know, sodium hydroxide. You have sodium phosphate, which is toxic to any organism. You have polysorbate monohydrate. I mean, I could go on and on, right? Mm-hmm. But you have these ingredients that are proven to cross the blood-brain barrier. And with SIDS in particular, what happens is... And they don't know this for fact, because again, the corruption is just so bad. I didn't have one doctor who said to me, besides Dr. Pilevsky, right? This could be the result of shots. Like SIDS is the result of shots. They just turn a blind eye. Um, You know, the medical examiner, the funeral home. I mean, the funeral home is actually one of the places that will speak up. Uh, When you look at stories like Carrie Bundy, who's Mm -hmm. another advocate, um, health advocate, who lost her son to SIDS. It's the funeral home that actually brought to her attention that it was a shot that her son had three days prior. Wow. That likely contributed to this. 
But, um, you know, what are these ingredients doing to the brain? Why are doctors covering it up? And why are there no studies? Why are there no studies? Well, mm -hmm. there's no studies because they don't want us to know. There's yeah, and a they lot have, of the line. They have no incentive to spend the money on the studies because they have complete immunity from what happens to the people that get it. They have no incentive. When you take away, um, what is, what's the word I'm looking for? When you take away. Punishment, um, right. Punishment, I mean, when you take away. <laughs> yeah. When you take away punishment, then there is zero incentive for them to improve the vaccines, do studies that are actually legit. None, no incentive. And I'm so happy that you bring this up because again, in um, 2018, Robert F. Kennedy and Children's Health Defense actually sued the government to show the safety studies because part of the 1986 act was that they were supposed to safety test these things every two years. And if they could make a safer vaccine, they were legally required to. But it seems that, you know, vaccine manufacturers and pharmaceutical companies are above the law because after years of litigation, the NIH and Fauci had to come out and say, well, you know what, actually, we haven't been doing them. We don't have those documents. We've never done the testing. Right. It's not there. Um, so you know, with SIDS, it's 74% of SIDS deaths are occurring within 20 days of vaccination. Um, and you can look up um, studies that have been done, you know, I mean, there's several of them, but um, the, the one, and the, the guy's name who does it is escaping me right now. I thought I wrote this down, but I didn't. Um, but he analyzed the VAERS database of, and VAERS, by the way, is indicative of 1% of vaccine reactions. And I can say that because uh, the, the NIH actually commissioned Harvard to do a study looking at the VAERS database to see um, where it could be improved. And they said, you know, that the result of that study was that, yeah, this system is horrible and really only captures 1% of adverse reactions. And, and they and for those that, that Let me interject real quick. For those that don't know what VAERS is, it's where people go, doctors, individuals like Lee could go to report a vaccine injury, correct? Correct. For individuals, it's very difficult to do. You have to have okay. lot numbers, you have to have times and dates. Okay. And if you don't fill it out within a half an hour, you're timed out. So they make it difficult on purpose. Right. So it's really meant for more for medical professionals to report stuff, which obviously they don't did. I mean, yours didn't get reported. I know hundreds of people who had a vaccine reaction where the doctor blew them off. So obviously the doctor never reported it. So it's a very underreported system. Severely underreported. And that's yes. where they get that 1%. It's, it's indicative of 1% of the injuries and deaths that are caused by vaccines. Um, but, you know, when you look at that VAERS system, it's it's very broken. It's very broken and it needs to be fixed, but they have no incentive to fix it. No, <laughs> yeah, what's, what's their motivation? <laughs> no. I mean, that's going to cost money and time to fix it and they have no reason to. And it will just blow the lid on their, on their right. scheme, which is, you know, the reality of sadly really what it is. It's working in their favor, um, for sure, to keep it as it is. Something else that I that I want to note that's really important for people that are listening is that this doesn't just happen to babies. 
So if someone has a three-year-old and they think, oh, well, my baby did fine. So I'm going to get their four-year-old vaccines or five, whatever it is. I don't know the vaccine schedule by memory because we didn't do it um, ourselves. And so this can happen to older children too. I know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it's important for people to realize that, that if they think, oh, well, my baby's fine. She's three now. Three-year-olds die of SIDS too. Five-year-olds die of SIDS too. Even adults nowadays are dying from onset death with no sudden adult death syndrome. I mean, I, if I didn't laugh at that, I would hysterically cry again because I just can't believe that the public is falling for this. I know. Um, And, and, you know, one of the things I do want to kind of tie Brooks's story together for everybody is we had to chase and threaten legal action with the medical examiner's office to get the full results of our autopsy and get the neuropathology, which is the brain, because I wish in my, my, you know, the dark place of grief that I was, I wish that I had thought to say, give him an MRI. Babies Mm -hmm. can't have MRIs, but my son had already passed. And I should have said, give him an MRI because they would have been able to see the encephalopathy in the brain. But when I finally got the neuropathology back, what we did discover, which they didn't want us to discover, was that he, Brooks had a mild dispersion of the dentate gyrus on his hippocampus, which is the which is part of the autonomic nervous system, which controls breathing, and the autonomic nervous system, which is like your heartbeat, your breathing, right. all the things that you do without thinking, right? And um, there is evidence that shows that that part of the brain can be linked to seizure activity, mm-hmm. and what they what they you know, for the doctors that are actually looking at this and can look at it for what it is, what they think happens is these ingredients cross the blood-brain barrier and can cause many strokes or many seizures within this part of the brain. And unless the child is in an ICU, which let's face it, they're not, they're at home with their parents in a crib. Right. Um, Once that breathing stops and they're not resuscitated, it's fatal. So this, this is something that is very common among SIDS babies to find. And what I want to know is, well, then why aren't you looking into it further? Why aren't you doing a control on healthy babies? Why aren't we looking at these things? Why aren't we developing technologies so that we can look at the brains of healthy babies? Because unfortunately, right now, this is only something that can be found postmortem because you can't give an MRI to a three month old. It's right. too hot and it's too much, you know, yeah. radiation on them. But and then that, always, that's how they get away with it. It's exactly right. Beyond infuriating. It really think, is. Yeah. And and I know that, you know, you and I could talk about this forever. And I, I do want to be respectful of your time. But I do just I want to thank you for the work that you're doing and really just showcasing light on what is very dark right now. Yeah. And I'd love really to invite parents to just inform yourself you're not going to find it on google google's parent company is alphabet they have a they own a vaccine manufacturing company which is called verily so you know the thing about google that's frightening is that you think it's a free search engine you think that when you type something in there there's no bias don't be fooled there is absolutely a bias And the bias is in favor of the medical mafia, 
Sorry, I'm just going to call it for what it is. So yeah. if you type in anything researching vaccines or chiropractic or anything that's not within, let me write you a prescription and give you a diagnosis or give you a surgery, you're going to get taken to, um, you know, the term anti-vaxxers, which by the way, was developed by, I think like the CIA or something ridiculous to oh make gosh. parents who question vaccines look crazy, but you're not going to get your information from Google. You have right. to go to these doctors who have written books and there are yep. so many books start with Suzanne Humphreys, dissolving illusions. It's a long book. It's not an easy read, mm-hmm. but you're going to come out of there with so much information and find these doctors that are going to give you the truth. And please, I'm happy to guide anybody to the resources that I've used and learned uh, so much. Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram and um, just DM me and I'll send you a list of all the things that I've, that I've used to educate myself. Yeah, so that that I do want to mention how people can find you and get in contact with you. So with your charity, it's brooksmission.com. I will put all of this in the show notes too. And then you can follow her on Instagram, authentic lay underscore, right? Yep. Lee, that's lay, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's phonetically, it should be lay. Um, okay. So I'm used to that. And yeah, you know, thank you for letting me talk about Brooks Mission. So we actually, my husband, I got to say it was my husband. I was really too weak, but he really wanted to do something to honor our son and his legacy. And um, I, I'm so happy that he did. We started this charity called Brooks Mission where, you know, we really believe Brooks came to this earth. His soul came to this earth on a mission yeah. and it was a short one because um, I do believe in soul contracts, which is a separate yeah podcast. But, um, you know, we believe that his mission was to bring light and to bring love and to bring knowledge into this world. So we were so lucky to be supported um, in our darkest time uh, by our employers and by our families where so many are not, you know, where you're brought to your knees and then you can't come to work and you lose your job or you can't work and then you can't pay the mortgage. Or it's like, I need to have a funeral for my child, but oh my gosh, a funeral for my child is going to cost $5,000 or I need grief counseling. And we wanted to be able to step in and do good in his name because that's the only way that we can parent him now. So um, that's what Brooke's mission is, is all about. It's about doing good and bringing light into the world and helping other families that are going through a child loss. Well, I love that. Um, You know, obviously I'm just, devastated for you in this loss. I, I cannot imagine as a parent myself going through what you have, um, but, but making this charity and bringing Brooks light to the world is so brave. There's so many people do that do not talk about their stories with vaccine injuries for fear. And you went and created a whole charity around it. And I just want to give you so much props And for that, you are so brave, you and your husband, and you are doing amazing work. And I know Brooks is looking down. So proud of you. Oh, Haley, thank you so much. And I send the same love and appreciation back to you on what you're doing in this world, helping to educate people and helping them to really heal themselves and bring them into this new paradigm of wellness. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was an honor to have you on today. And every single resource that she mentioned, I'm going to put in the show notes too. She mentioned so many doctors and books and all of that. So I'm going to put all of that in there along with how to find her, how to find her charity and her Instagram and go follow her. And if you need her resources, please, please reach out to Brooke's Mission. 
she has such a beautiful heart. And so thank you again for coming on and for your time. Thank you, Haley. That concludes today's episode in the Crunchy Club podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you would like to learn further from me, you can catch me over on Instagram at thecrunchy.club as well as Roots and Leaves Info. You can sign up for my email newsletters on both of my websites to get holistic remedies and natural product information dropped straight to your inbox. You are also always welcome to join the Crunchy Club membership where we deep dive with our guest speakers and I personally teach you how I healed from all of my debilitating ailments. That's it for now, friends. And remember, your body has the power to heal and you are your own best doctor.